welcome to Forward, a podcast on Christian growth. I am Kenneth, and this is session number two. Today we'll be discussing the question, who are we? You know, that's going to be a hard question in the world's mind, in society's mind. You know, they uh, they kind of teach us that we have to look inside. There's, there's all these other things that define us and who we are. We're going to look a little bit different standpoint since we're Christians. We know that we don't get our truth from society or the people around us. Now I'm going to kind of give a simple definition that I use that is mainly about humans or man themselves. And the definition kind of goes like this. You know, we are a created race of beings known collectively as man. Now there's two words that I want to look at and that definition. Number one is created. So just being created shows you that we're not here by accident. It, something created has a purpose, has value, and there's a reason for it to be here. You know, someone created it and it is here for a reason. Now number two is the word race in there, race of beings. You know, the world likes to tell us that race is all about the color of your skin or or maybe the location that you live. Um, race is all of us collectively on this planet that God created. You know, we are the race of man. So we're all in this together. You know, God loves all of us equally, no matter the color of our skin, no matter where we live. You know, he wants to have a relationship with each and every one of us. So if... That is something that you deal with, looking at people of a different color of skin or where they live or a different accent, and you struggle with that sin of racism, then get it out of your life now. You know, when you look at someone else, look and see a son or daughter of your father. As Christians, there's no room for any type of racism um, in our lives. Now, when we get to this question of, of, of who we are, I kind of break it down into three sections. You know, number one is who we were or who were we? You know, what did we become? And then who are we now? You know, because I think this is relevant to the kind of seeing exactly how things have played out, you know, throughout the Bible and throughout history so that we can know truly who we are and why we're here. So we're going to be going through some Bible verses here as we go along. I'm using the the Holman Christian Standard Bible. Um, so as I read some of these verses, you know, yours may be different if you're using the King James or New King James. Um, but I wanted to use some Old Testament and New Testament to kind of show that, you know, God's purpose is clear throughout. You need to read the whole Bible to get a, a, a really good picture of why we were created and what we're here for. So we're going to start off in the very beginning, which is Genesis 1:27. Now if you read this verse, and I'm not going to read all of them because some of them we already know. But if you read this verse, you know, it talks that God created man uh, in his image. You know, we were created in the image of God and he created male and female in the image of God. Now we're the only beings created that can claim this. You know, that God created us in His image. 
You know, why would he do that? Why would he create us in his image? You know, I think that's going to come out. You you people would know it with kids and stuff like that. That's going to really come out as you see, you know, your sons and daughters and see what likenesses they have uh, of you. You know, you can start to see yourself as a family. And I think that's how God kind of wanted us in the beginning and how he wants us to be now. You know, he created us in his image to have a bond with us. Now, if we continue on, um, I really want to hit home on this point. Uh, if you look at Genesis 1.31, um, this is after he created God in his image and everything's being created. God has created us in his image. You know, it says all was very good. So you can guarantee that if the creator of the universe says everything was very good, then everything was very good. So that includes uh, man as well. Male and female was very good. You know, he took delight in his creation. You know, not just the earth, but us. You know, he took delight in us. Um, in just a second, we're going to see that he actually wanted to spend time with us. You know, his very good creation, his family, so to speak, that he created. So if you look at uh, Genesis 3, 8, and we're going to look uh, just at the beginning part of this one. It says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze, or wind of the day, depending on the literal translation. Now that verse goes on to say that they hid themselves because this is after, you know, Satan had already tempted them and they had fallen. But I want to pay attention mainly at the first part. You know, why was God down there? You know, why was he in the garden? He can see the garden from where he's at. He's spirit. He can see everything. So why was he walking in the garden at that time? You know, it is my belief, and I think the Bible holds this up, that he wanted to spend time with Adam and Eve. He wanted to be there amongst his creation. He wanted to spend time with them, to have a relationship with them. You know, I think that is the very first reason that uh, God created man and woman, so that there could be a relationship there. So, what is a we find something in Genesis two fifteen that uh is very unique as well. You know, it says in Genesis two fifteen that Adam was created and he was moved to the garden to work the garden and watch over it. So who created work? You know, that would be God. You know, he gave Adam a job to do, a very specific mission. And God gave him that purpose. You know, God didn't move him uh, Adam didn't move himself to the garden and say, hey, I want to start working this garden. God moved Adam there and said, hey, tend to this garden. This is your job. This is your purpose. So not only did he have a reason of spending time with Adam and having a relationship with Adam, but Adam was also supposed to work and watch over the garden. Um, in Genesis 2.20, you'll see that uh, Eve was created and that she was, she was a purpose. There was no helper found for Adam. You know, and Eve was created and she had a specific purpose you know a purpose given by God you know Eve didn't have her own purpose that she gave herself so I think this is going to speak deeper to the fact that each individual Christian has a job on this planet you know we've got specific missions that God has put us here for and if we don't have a relationship first with God then we're not going to find out what that is what it is that uh, that God wants us to do now, one verse that stood out to me as we were, as I was reading um, was Genesis 3.21. Um, that's at, you know, where 
God is removing Adam and Eve from the garden after their sin and things. But in Genesis 3.21, it talks that that God made clothes for Adam and Eve. You know, how much more intimate can you get than that, than, you know, making sure your children are clothed in the proper clothes? You know, now you can speak in this verse about the first animals were sacrificed so that, um, you know, Adam and Eve could have these clothes. So God did all that. You know what I'm saying? He could have had Adam and Eve make their own clothes. You know, but God did this. You know, he made the clothes and covered them. You know what I'm saying? It shows the importance that, that Adam and Eve were to the Father. You know, he wanted to take care of them. Now, that's kind of, you know, who we were. You know, we were, you know, we were very good in God's eyes. He spent time with us. Um, he created us for a relationship. Um, when I say us, I mean Adam and Eve, but man in general. Um, he also gave us a job to do. You know, something specific um, that we should be doing. But, but what did we become? You know what I'm saying? What happened after that? Well, of course, everybody that knows the story knows that we rebelled. Adam and Eve rebelled against God. You know, they disobeyed uh, what he told them not to do. You know, some people take this into account and say, well, that was Adam and Eve. That's not me. You know, God should not be separated from me just because of what Adam and Eve did. Well, that's where I ask you to turn to Genesis 6-6. And I'm going to kind of read part of it here for you. And it says, The Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. Now, the word regretted there um, has a connotation or a meaning of pained. So the Lord was pained that he had made man, and he was grieved in his heart. How, how powerful must it be for God to be grieved in his heart? You know, now, if you look at this, this is in the story of the flood, and man's all his actions and thoughts were nothing but evil. Now, tell me that doesn't sound like um, our world today. The majority of the earth, the majority of man as a race, you know, their thoughts and deeds are nothing but evil. You know what I'm saying? Do you think God maybe has grief in his heart, even right now, for the state of the creation that he has? You know, so even though Adam and Eve sinned we sin continually every day you know and it's that sin that's keeping us away from God you know because God is a holy righteous and good God and cannot have uh, sin in his creation you know the wages of sin is death we're told um, and that death is a is an eternal separation from God so no relationship no relationship with God whatsoever and without a relationship, we we don't have any kind of fulfillment in our lives. And we'll be chasing everything, trying to find that fulfillment. And until we find God, you know, we won't have it. So that kind of tells us what happened and what did we become. And for a long time, and even now, you know, we are this. We are separated from God. But who are we now as Christians? You know, how did we get here? And what, you know, what brought us here? So if we look at... Second Peter three nine. You know, God tells us that, you know, He doesn't want anyone to perish, but that all should repent. You know, and that perish of course is having to do with eternal separation from God once again. Not just dying in the body, but you know, God considered death just to be away from him. You know, it's not that's not his plan. That was never his plan for us. So God provided a solution. 
And if we go to John 14:6, we can actually see that solution. And Jesus spoke. He said, Jesus told him, told the Pharisees, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So there we go. God has started providing a solution. You know, and why did he provide the solution? Why is Jesus, you know, the way, the truth, and the life? So if we look at John 3:16, that gives us the answer. One of the most famous verses in the Bible. You know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And there we go. There is the solution that you know God brought for us. You know, he does not want to be separated, but he does know that there's a penalty for sin and that penalty is death. Well, and there's where he brings his son to be born as a human on earth to suffer the same things that that we suffer. Now, if we, you know, if if Jesus is the salvation, the solution so that we can have a love relationship with God how do we how do we show our love you know back how do we show an appreciation you know for the mercy and the grace that he's given us if you look at John 14:15 we start to get into another one of the missions or another one of the jobs that he's given us and it says if you love me you will keep my commands so John 14:15 if you love me you will keep my commands. Then what commands is that? What what commands has Jesus given us or that God has given us that we should be keeping? You know, what is that job? That's an actual job. That's a mission that he gives us. So if we look at Matthew twenty two, thirty seven through thirty nine, Jesus is talking to one of the Pharisees again and he says to him, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So there you go. There is going right back to the first thing that God wants is a relationship with us. And also another job or mission that he's given us in the fact that we should love our neighbor, the people around us, the people we come in contact with every day as ourselves. If we do if we love them as ourselves, we're not going to rob from them. We're not going to judge them. We're not going to be uh, racist towards them or look down upon them. You know, so there is one of the greatest commands that Jesus has given us. Now, what is another one that we can look at and know that we're supposed to do it without a shadow of a doubt? You know, that's Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So there we go. There's a clear mandate, a clear, a clear command that if you love Jesus, you will follow his commands. And there's a clear one right there. You know, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Now he's speaking to his disciples. So his disciples are making disciples. And those disciples are making more. So we have been passed down and become disciples ourselves. So we should be making disciples. We should be telling people about what Jesus has done for us. You know, because it goes right back to Second Peter 3.9. That he does not want anyone to perish, 
you know that is our jobs that is our main jobs um, but we also still have just like Adam and Eve had specific jobs that we're supposed to be doing and if we don't have a relationship with Jesus we don't have a relationship with the Father we're never going to know what that specific job is you know we're not going to be fulfilled uh, in this lifetime at all so now that we're kind of coming towards the end you know I've, I've promised that we're going to have a, a practical application so that you can take it today as you listen to this and and apply it into your life so here's what I want you to know you know as a Christian you have a reason to be here other than the accumulation of stuff and then dying and going about your way you know and going to heaven you know there's something other than that to be here you have a reason for being here and those of you who feel lonely and lost out that way I feel you you know I've been there I have friends that have been there you have worth in the fact that God created you your worth comes from God not from what others think of you or what material possessions you may or may not have um, God loves you he wants to be involved in all aspects of your life in fact he loves you enough to actually discipline you when you stray from the path he'll move you back towards the path you know somebody that doesn't love you is not going to care which way you go but God loves you enough to discipline you but also he has a specific job for you and I challenge you to spend time in prayer you know to read your Bible to ask God you know what is it that you want me to do and he will reveal it to you you know he will I promise you he will he's done it for me he's done it for countless others but you must be willing it may take a step of faith on your part you know um, I remember the story of, you know as I tell the story about my kids you know my smallest child as uh, she was standing on the bed and I reach out my hands and tell her to jump well the first time she doesn't jump you know she's scared she asked me are you gonna catch me daddy and I said, of course, I'll never let you fall. So she makes that jump, that leap of faith, and jumps into my arms, and I catch her. And did you know that she never hesitated to jump after that? So for you to find your specific job, the, the specific thing that, that God wants you to do, and also to realize what your worth is in God may require you to take that first jump. You know, And I challenge you, just jump, and I promise you, your life will be forever changed. Now, if you're listening to this and you are still separated from God, meaning that you have not accepted Jesus as your Savior, you know, I want to tell you that it's not too late. He loves you too. You're no different than the rest of us. He wants you to have a relationship with Him. He wants you to be a part of His family. And you can still accept God's invitation. But like us, it takes an act of faith on your part. You're going to have to jump. And by doing that, you must believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that He died for your sins. You know, and then invite Him into your heart, and I promise you, He will come. He will not turn you away. If you invite Him into your heart and life, He will come. You know, God is still in the business of rescuing people, and He's still in the business of restoring relationships. You know, the first thing he does is rescue us from our sins through his son, Jesus Christ. And then he restores the relationship between him and us. But you will also see that he will restore the relationships in your life. 
you know, whether it's mother or father, sister, brother, or friends, you will see your whole life change if you will give him a chance to do so. But it's going to require you to jump. So I challenge all of us today to just jump. Once again, thank you for listening to Forward. I hope you've got something good out of this. You know, we're going to continue the podcast going forward. We're going to tackle all manner of subjects. Make sure you visit the blog, and I will uh, give you the website of that in the show notes. I look forward to talking to you again. I hope you have a great day. 